Good evening, everyone. Welcome to Voice of Reason Radio. Your hosts, Chris Honholtz and Richard Story, joining you this week on June 14th, 2019. See, we were back again. We did not do a rewind. We did not do a, uh, you know, bring back an old episode. We're, we're keep trying to keep as much as possible on that promise to be consistent. And, well, we're so sort of consistent, aren't we, Rich? We're getting there. <laughs> I think so. Um, even... I consider the week that we shared a rerun being consistent, especially since no one noticed. <laughs> yeah, it's actually kind of funny. the the re The rerun got actually a few more downloads in the la- uh, last two weeks than last week's show did in this week. <laughs> so <laughs> I think I, I think the the humility episode was not everyone's favorite. <laughs> Which honestly, I don't know that there's ever going to be a sermon. A book, a, a podcast that's ever going to be popular when you tell people they got to be humble. <laughs> well, wait until tonight's drop. If you thought <laughs> that was, if you thought last week's topic was unpopular, this topic may be even more unpopular <laughs> than last week. Okay, so we'll just have to kind of wait and see. Yeah, we'll just teaser. Say. Now, the, okay, Christy, I was laughing. This this is for our friend Christy, who apparently. Listens to our podcast at, I don't know how you did this, Christy, 2.5 speed. I, Rich, I, I, you and I looked at the phone, my iPhone before show. I can't get it up to 2.5. Now, I don't know what super mega machine she's got, but mine went to 2.0. I, yours goes to 2.0. How did you do that, Christy? What, what souped up app did you use? But for Christy, that laugh was for you because apparently I sound like Alvin the Chipmunk at 2.5 speed. <laughs> Well, what bothers me is that she said I sounded normal at 2.5, and I don't know if that's a compliment or an insult. Either I talk that slow to where at 2.5 or something. I don't know. But I do I do understand what she meant about your laugh, because at 2.0, you sounded like either Alvin or... Okay. For, for anybody who has not done this yet, this is weird. I, I... Oh, chipmunk. Yeah, Alvin the Chipmunk. For anybody who's never done this before, we're gonna do. We're gonna. I'm putting my my iPhone eight plus because I'm not the guy that stands in line for a thousand dollar phone. I wait till the old one goes on sale, and I'm gonna put my iPhone eight plus. And you Android users can just stuff it. <laughs> I'm not gonna listen to you. Um, and I'm gonna put this up to the mic, and I want you to hear what apparently we sound like at 2.0 because Christy has superhuman hearing if she is listening to us faster than this. Listen to this, folks. But yeah, that meant that we were just not able to record. Uh, so we pulled one from the archives. So speak, because we've been doing this for just over three years now, Rich. I still can't believe that. And uh, we, we did want to keep our promise as much as possible to uh, consistently have a show out every week. Uh, hopefully in the future, Rich, maybe we can start recording some, uh, some uh, backup show. Okay, that's at 2.0 speed. I barely, if I hadn't said those words, and by the way, that was me. <laughs> if I hadn't been saying those words... I would not have understood. I knew what I said last week, so I could pick it up. I don't know about the rest of you, but Christy has superhuman hearing capabilities. We probably need to just give her a red suit with a flash symbol on it and let her go join the Justice League because that is crazy. <laughs> so that's for you, Christy. Um, enjoy my Alvin the Chipmunk laugh at 2.5 speed because I... <laughs> I just can't imagine how you're listening that co- to anything at that speed. <laughs> well, I still think that whatever way that she's listening at 2.5, 
obviously must have some type of different playback compression ratio or something because I knew what you said and I still couldn't understand <laughs> you. I just, you know, um, James White does that. He, he will listen to stuff at like 2.0 speed on his mega bike rides to uh, around the world and the equator before he shows, I guess. Because that's how he listens to uh, Kindle books and 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 uh, debates and, and and other things. So he does his show prep while he's riding his bike. So he, he listens to everything at that super speed. But he's also like superhuman and actually like a more evolved species. Yes, I used evolved. I'm being funny here, so stop. Uh, <laughs> he's he's like he's like a supernatural being that he can do this kind of stuff and have and just he has a computer for a brain. So. <laughs> For him, he could probably parse every syllable at that speed. The rest of us who are subhuman can't really do that. So, Christy, you apparently belong in the James White category because you can listen <laughs> to stuff that fast. I, I don't know how you did that, but kudos from us. <laughs> so, Rich, aside from the fact that you know you don't sound like a chipmunk at, at high speed, and I do, how are you doing this week? Well, brother, is always better than I deserve. How about yourself? Uh, I got to tell you, it's... I'm not going to go into everything, but it's been a rough couple weeks. Um, you know, just work-related is a lot of it. Uh, just mostly because my state, uh, primarily the 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 city of Vegas, controls the voting block of most of the state of Nevada, and so we've gone blue, which is very disappointing to us. Uh, the rest of the state, when you look at the voting maps, like the entire map is red. And then Vegas and a little bit of Reno is blue, and they're controlling the state. So we've got a full-on Democrat-run legislature and Democrat governor who cannot manage to do anything that looks remotely conservative, but they will ramrod every liberal uh, thing through the the legislature this year. It has been disgusting to watch happen, and some of that has impacted uh, my job. And so that it's frustrating to watch happen to watch a state that you love and the people that you uh, uh, that you are around impacted by such horrible decision making, and uh, it, it's very unfortunate. And so that's that's been a bit frustrating. And then just the the day to day grind of, of family issues and, and and health issues with other family members. It's been it's been a rough couple weeks, and I don't say that for anybody to feel bad and, and tell me that they're praying for me and stuff. Just that's reality. It's it's the life that we live, and uh, <clears throat> excuse me. And I was reminded uh, through my studies that you know God is sovereign; He's in control. That doesn't mean that it's easy. Uh, I think one of the mistakes we make so often, Rich, is we we talk about counting it all joy. And um, I, I, I remember there was a uh, focus on the family had these uh, audio programs that um oh goodness i can't think of what they're called uh oh goodness i can't think of the name anyway it was it was it was these little radio programs that you would listen to on cd and stuff like that we let the kids listen to them all the time uh, odyssey uh, odyssey and um one of those episodes was the girl was told to count all her problems count it all joy she spends the whole episode walking around just going count it all joy count it all joy count it like a hypnotic trance and Realizing that's not helping her, and the reality is counting it all joy is so often that's what we do as Christians. We think, oh, I'll just pretend to be happy, and no, that's not what we're doing. We're to count it joy because God in his sovereign grace is using these things for a purpose. He's refining us. He's building us. He's strengthening us, but it's painful in the process, 
and we rejoice because we know that even though it's painful, we're going to come out the other end more fit for his use. It doesn't mean it doesn't it isn't painful. It doesn't mean we're not sad or, or sometimes feeling beat down, but you know we we're joyful because we know God is using it for a purpose. So, like you, uh, even though it's been a rough couple of weeks. Um, I'm better than I deserve. And I get reminded of that when, you know, I share something online about, you know, something being frustrating. It's, it is. And then I watch one of my bro- uh, brothers in Christ and uh, we're going to ask you to lift up a friend of ours by the name of Kevin, who's, uh, as of yesterday, was in a hospital um, dealing with liver failure because of uh, a medical disorder that he has, has to contend with. It keeps coming up and coming back and knocking him around. So just lift up Kevin in your prayers because I saw that and I was reminded, it's like, you know, God uses suffering in a lot of different ways. And, and some of us have to go through that meat grinder even more than others. And, uh, you know, doesn't mean that your situation isn't difficult. It isn't stressful. It isn't painful. But it does help remember to once in a while to have a little perspective that while maybe you're not, you know, having the best time because things are difficult, there may be someone who needs your comfort and your prayers even more. And it does remind us to put some of our, our trials and tribulations into perspective. So that's my kind of little soapbox thing for, the, for this week, if, if that answers your question. <laughs> well, I was going to make a joke, but I kind of don't want to now. But <laughs> Oh, well, was, which uh, show would it be if uh, you didn't poke at me? <laughs> well, I know, but I was just going to put everything you said in the context of what I've watched go on within my Southern Ugh, Baptist Convention this yeah. week, but I really don't want to mention it because that's not the topic of our show, and I'm sure that at this point, by the time our listeners download and, and listen to this episode, they probably are almost sick of hearing about the SBC <laughs> and the, the nosedive that it's wow. decided to take, so we decided... This week, we're going to go in a completely different direction and talk about every Christian's favorite subject under the sun, or is it, or what should be, and it's evangelism. <laughs> and I've actually been looking forward to this discussion for quite a while because this is actually my favorite topic, and I'm going to read from my favorite parable, which is one of my favorite passages in all of the Bible, and in my opinion, is actually the Rosetta Stone. If there was a passage that is a Rosetta Stone of the Bible, it is this one. Okay, because hold if on, you hold can on. Un- I'm going to pull a you. I'm going to interrupt, uh, and I'm going to segue for you. <laughs> all right. We're good. We're Freaky Friday here. Go ahead. <laughs> if you have seen the train wreck that happened with the FBC and seen the nosedive that Rich is talking about, if the SBC wasn't so afraid of biblical evangelism in so many corners of its particular little globe and were willing to step up and, and do the sharing of the gospel in a biblical manner, perhaps they wouldn't feel the need to take the nosedive off the cultural cliff that they have done as they did in this last uh, convention. So. We want to encourage you tonight to not be afraid to evangelize, or if you are fearful, to use that uh, fear in your evangelism. How's that for a segue, Rich? That's pretty good. <laughs> um, I don't know the last time that we were doing a show together that you're the one that did the segue, so it's a little something different. <laughs> well, I just had to do it, because usually when I start this, you jump in with that segue, so I just had to take the chance. <laughs> All right, go, go, go. 
Well, what was I saying? You oh, were going to read the passage. See, see, this is why it doesn't work this way, because <laughs> I have such a short attention span, and I have such a one-track mind, you divert me just a little bit, and I just fall off the rails like the SBC. <laughs> I'm doing the happy dance. I'm doing the happy dance. <laughs> all, right, all right. Anyway. Go, go, go. All right. Anyway. To me, and I, it's kind of hard to put into words, but to me, this passage could be the Rosetta Stone of the Bible if there was such a thing. If there's one passage in the Bible you need to read and understand in context that expresses the overall point of the Bible, it's this passage. Because is the Bible, the entire Bible from Genesis all the way through the Revelation, through, through the end of Revelation, excuse me, is it not the progressive revealing of Jesus Christ and his works and the means to salvation? Would you agree with that? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. So going from there, open your Bibles to Matthew chapter 13, and we're going to start in verse 3. And I'm not going to read the entire chapter, but starting in verse 3, which is interesting because it actually... Split, that actual that verse actually splits between three and four. But anyway, <laughs> starting verse three, and he told them many things in parables, saying, "A sower went out to sow, and as he sowed, some seeds fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured them. Other seeds fell on rocky ground, where they did not have much soil, and immediately they sprang up, since they had no depth of soil. But when the sun rose, they were scorched, and since they had no root, they withered away." Other seeds fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked them. Other seeds fell on good soil and produced grain, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. He who has ears, let him hear. Now, um, there's a reason that I consider this my favorite parable. For one thing, Christ to his disciples said, if you can't understand this parable, how, do you, how will you ever understand all the others? And I'm paraphrasing, but I think that's actually later in this chapter. But as, we're going to kind of delve into this tonight in a couple of different viewpoints. First, how this applies to evangelism and how this applies, well, how this applies in evangelism in two parts. The way the person receives the gospel and the way that you present the gospel. This parable actually has applications to both sides of that same coin. And as you were speaking of, Chris, um, fear is a very real thing when it comes to evangelism. I've posted a few things this week and received some really good feedback from some new believers that are just, just learning about evangelism and from brothers that we both know in Christ that have been out on the streets sharing the gospel for years and years in all various forms of avenues that the gospel can be shared from open air preaching to one-on-one -on -one conversations to handing out tracts all you know everything that you could possibly think of they've been involved with it and one theme stays constant there is fear when it comes to evangelism and later on in the show we're going to kind of break that fear down into a few different aspects and hopefully give you some godly advice on how to use that fear to benefit you in your evangelism efforts. But starting out in this, there's something to me that's key in this parable that you rarely, if ever, hear anyone speak about. 
And it's actually at the very start of it. And we backtrack to verse 4. And as he sowed, some seeds fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured them. Well, first, let's, let's stop and ask ourselves, what does it mean by the seeds fell along the path? We're talking about a path that is just soil laying there that has not been tilled, that has not been touched, that has not been cared for. The soil along the path has been trodden over by horses and, and cattle and sheep and people coming and going. So it's just out there barren. And this seed is just tossed out there. But then the next part, it talks about the birds came and devoured them. And to me, that is a aspect of evangelism that is most often forgotten. The birds represent Satan and his demons. The birds represent the devil. When the seed is cast about, just like the parable says, and the birds come and devour it, well, that actually has two applications. The birds devour the seeds before they ever have a chance to even take root or attempt to take root in the rocky soil or the thorny soil because the devil comes and snatches away what was presented to the hearer. And in the case of evangelism, it would be the person that you're sharing the gospel with. But on the same token, that bird is attacking you. When you share the gospel, you're taking up a spiritual battle. And this is one thing that's key to understanding when it comes to evangelism. And if you can understand this concept, it will free you up so much and take the burden off of you so much when it comes to sharing the gospel. We are the sowers. We never touch the ground. We're not the ones that tills the good soil. And we don't have even the power to get the seed past the bird. In this case, we do not have the power to get the gospel past Satan to the hearer's heart. Only Christ can open a person's heart to receive his truth and to understand his truth and to receive his gift of salvation. That's something we have this paramount in understanding. We have no power other than presenting the gospel. After that, it's all up to Jesus Christ. As long as we're faithful to present the gospel to our family, friends, strangers, online, offline, regardless of the, of the venue, it is our responsibility to share the gospel. But anything after that is completely up to Christ. And in this parable, the seed is thrown out. The birds snatch it up before it even hits the ground. That is a concept that is critical to understanding evangelism. The results are not up to you. It's not even up to you for them to accept, receive, or even understand what you presented as long as you have articulated the gospel in a biblical way. Chris, would you like to jump in? No, I, I absolutely agree with what you're saying, brother. I think one of the biggest concerns or the biggest frustrations when, when we're talking about the, the sharing of the gospel is that fear that comes from, and we'll, we're going to talk about a few of those, like you said, about me sharing it. If I share, what about this or what about that or how you know what happens here? And it, it has this assumption that somehow... I have a responsibility or a power or an ability to impact whether or not a person gets saved. And as you're pointing out, 
there are you know the you know this parable points out the conditions of the heart and that is a it is a supernatural thing that is going on when you're dealing with a rock hard heart christ you know des describes in this parable four types of hearts some that appear to be ready but really aren't some that are just rock hard to it and some that are in fact prepared the so the the heart of the soil is prepared but that's the work of God. Now he might be doing it through a variety of ways. It might be that in the in the time that a person was growing up, they were exposed to the Word of God, and that's it's that soil was being you know prepared back then. It might be through the circumstances of their life, radio shows, music, whatever it is that God is using, uh, that has slowly prepared that soil. Or it could be it, the, when a person hears the gospel for the first time that the Holy Spirit is working on that rock hard soil. But you're right, Rich. We the sower is you know is is the person who sows the seed. The seed is the gospel. It's the gospel that does the growing. It's the it's the gospel that is pr uh, producing fruit in the life of a person. It's not you or me. And so if we go in with that understanding and we understand what the nature of the gospel, that seed that's being sown, is, and and what it, those those hearts are, that that field that we're sowing it to then it suddenly changes our perspective about what we're doing when we share the gospel because we see so much so much gamesmanship. I, I hate to put it that way because I know people are well-intended, but there's a lot of gamesmanship that goes on. And, well, present it this way so you're not being offensive and you're not driving people away and blah, blah, blah. And, oh, we're going to water it down so it's more palatable. And, and, and I don't believe a lot of people do that with any ill intent. I mean, yes, there are some people that just you know, they, they have no desire to really care about the changed heart. They just want pew warmers, so they don't care what, what, what they're doing. But I think most Christians, even when they're fearful, try to do it in ways that um, make the, the sales pitch their responsibility so that they get that closed deal. And I think they're well-intended, but they're misguided. And I think it because, is because, like you say, we don't understand what the gospel is and what our responsibility is versus what God is doing and how salvation works, if that makes sense. Absolutely. And I've had people tell me, I can't share the gospel. I don't know how. And when someone makes a statement like that, you really need to ask some questions because I've learned from experience when they say that, a lot of times what they're actually trying to, to convey is they don't know how to articulate a gospel presentation. Yeah. It's not that they don't know the gospel. It's not that they necessarily don't know how. It's they don't know exactly how to present it or exactly how to express it or, like I said, to articulate it. And, you know, we could do several shows on that alone, but one simple way to, if you're starting out and, and you know that you should be out sharing the gospel besides handing someone a tract or leaving a tract somewhere for someone to find you can just simply flip a tract over and read it to a person and honestly that's what i did when i first started out i got saved into an environment of evangelism to where when i got saved the the people that i was friends with online and well really online that's what they were involved with was street ministry and evangelism and um, chat groups from days of on the box with Ray Comfort and getting to know brothers and sisters like you and Tony and, and KT and so many others that I've known really since just a few weeks after I was saved 
that have encouraged me in so many different ways over the years. When I first started out, that's what I did. I would read the back of a gospel tract. Even back years ago when I was able to get out and open air preach and, and do some street ministry, even then I was basically, for lack of a better word, green and just starting out, I would read the back of a gospel tract or I would read from the Bible. But over the years, as I've matured in Christ, as my understanding has, has developed and grown, you know, uh, I would love to be able to get back out, but because of health circumstances and some other issues within my own life, I'm not able to get out on the streets and, and go to these events and, and things that I really, truly love to do. Now I share the gospel. Most of the time when I'm sharing it is online for the simple fact I'm not physically able to get out and leave my house. And even then I can't do it by myself and I have to have someone there with me to help me. But even then, you know, I try to be active and try to share it online. And, you know, I don't know, I can't say that because of me sharing the gospel, someone, anyone has ever been saved, but guess what? That's not up to me to know. That's not up to me to worry about. I know that I was faithful at times in sharing the gospel and I feel confident that I, that I articulated the gospel in a, in a, in a way that would be understandable, but everything else is left up to Christ after that fact. And besides sharing the gospel and being involved in street ministry, one, one of the other things that I love to do that I have not been able to do in a few years is to teach evangelism. I was blessed for a period to be able to come alongside several churches and actually teach some evangelism courses. And it was, well, yes, it was the way of the master, uh, basic evangelism course. I forget what base, uh, basic training. Was that the name of it? Uh, evangelism, basic training. I think that's correct. It's, it's been a while since I've looked it up. So our apologies, Ray, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> one, one thing that I did encounter and when I was able to do that generally, it was with, um, the youth groups or the teens. And that's, I enjoyed working with those groups. But one of the common fears that they would have would be that they were scared that somebody would throw a track back at them. Yeah. So part of the training, guess what I would do? I would rip up a track and throw it at them and say, okay, your biggest fear has just come true. Now go out and, and hand someone a track because once you face that fear and overcome it and, and, and have dealt with it, things are a lot easier. And this applies not only in evangelism, but other, other avenues of our life. But, back to this parable once i understood the purpose of the birds in this parable i came to realize that as long as i share the gospel everything else is up to christ mm -hmm. the pressure's off the responsibility is not on me my responsibility is to share it anything beyond that is completely in the hands of jesus christ even to the point of someone receiving that tract or hearing or even thinking about what was said, because only the power of Jesus Christ can get the gospel past the power of Satan. Yep. Would absolutely. you agree with that? Absolutely. And, you know, folks, we, we want you to understand, we're not saying, uh, don't, you know, because you know, I know somebody's going to go, well, we're, we're commanded to make disciples. That means you're doing the, 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 we get that. We're not, we're not arguing against that. We're not saying, oh, just, just evangelize and do nothing more. What, that's not what Rich is saying. It's not what I'm saying. What we're saying is on the issue of conversion, it's the gospel that converts. It's the power of God unto salvation. Yes, we make disciples. We go and, and, and we uh, 
preach and teach and uh, develop their, their understanding through the Word of God. And you may be doing this over a long period of time. You know, you listen to Vody Balcom when he talks about how when he was in high school and he had a friend who kept teaching him about the Bible and where to find things and how, what questions to ask. And over time, Vody was brought to the point where he finally got it and he just said, Lord, what you've done for my friend, do for me. And he, you know, he received Christ and, and look at what he accomplishes today as a, as a preacher. So discipleship is, is, is exactly that. It's the, you know, making a disciple of Jesus Christ. But understand that we're not saying you know, we don't do more. But what we want to remove for you as an obstacle is this idea that somehow conversion is is uh, is on you? You have to have the right sales pitch. You have to have the right demeanor. You have to have you have to find the way to close the deal. It's not dependent upon us because it is dependent upon the gospel. And Rich, I think one of the things that we for, forget is that there's something about the gospel that is so very important that if we don't get it, we we go to the to that shtick, that sales pitch, that let's look at this method. How effective is this? How many numbers did you get? And you know, I I got to thinking about this today, and it's like, okay, well, what is it about the the gospel message? Well, the gospel message first and foremost reveals how wicked you and I are. I mean, Christ had to die. God in human form had to die to pay for our sins. That's how wicked we are. You know, the the law, it, it guts me. It, it shows how wicked and evil I am because I'm incapable of keeping God's standard. You know, Jesus said that if you look with lust, for example, okay, it's not even just what I do. It's the thoughts and intents of my heart. So if I just look with lust, I have the thought. I fantasize that just that alone is sin in the eyes of God. To have unjust anger is 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 at the pretty much at the same level of if you committed the murder, you you deserve the same kind of judgment. So I mean, it's rich. It 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 guts us. It even shows that what goes on in our heart and mind is is evil. I mean, you could you and I, rich. We we could we could try to live like we we obey all the laws of God. That's what the Pharisees did. They even created laws to expand upon God's law to say, if you do this, if you walk so far, if you if you tie this kind of rope, if you do this. I mean, they added all these things to it to say that this is how we're going to keep the law of God. But how do you keep a person from an inward sin like coveting? You can't, you can't, you can do all the outside work. You can whitewash the tomb all you want, but you can't clear the dead men's bones out not of your own accord and so that's what the law does is it reveals that in, even in, down to our inner being we're, we're absolutely rotten and so Christ had to die and then be buried and raised from the grave to pay for that there's nothing we can do of ourselves, and we're so enslaved to that, that that there's no way we can make up for it that that's why he came so the gospel not only saves me, but it reveals how wicked I am. Does that make sense? Absolutely. I was going to interrupt you for just a moment because I had a thought while you were sharing that. We we cannot do anything to change a person's heart. They may clean themselves up on the outside. They may try to act better. They may try to talk better, think better. They may even pass themselves off as a true Christian. 
but only God knows what's in the heart of man. The Bible says that says exactly that, that God weighs the heart, the thoughts and minds of man. It's not our actions. Our actions can fool each other, but Christ knows what's in your heart. And if we can't change a person's heart, what makes you think anything you say or do is actually going to convince that person to receive Jesus Christ? Because it's Jesus Christ, it's all through him, for him, and by him. In, 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 in the book of Acts, it talks about Christ opened Lydia's heart to understand the things that Paul was saying. In another portion, he, uh, Paul mentioned, he who sows and he who waters are nothing, but all the results are left up to Christ. And sowing is sharing the gospel, watering is discipleship. Sadly, in today's world, and I will add this from your, what you were saying earlier, sadly in today's world, we have gotten it completely backwards. We try to disciple someone with the hopes that they will get saved instead of spending the time making sure that this person truly, as much as we can know, is saved and understands the gospel and then work on discipleship. You can't water a seed before it's planted, and you can't start watering and truly seeing growth until that seed starts to sprout up and come through the soil, and then you add the water. And and, and I think in today's world, a lot of times we get that backwards. Yeah. But um, one quick thing I want to share, I saw on on Facebook this week, and I think it actually has applications to this. A farmer prays for a harvest and then works the fields. He doesn't pray for a harvest instead of working the fields. Now think about that. How many people do we see that talks about the, that we see online and in person, they talk about the gospel. They talk about maybe evangelism. They talk about wanting to see a revival in this church or that church, but are they out? actually working the fields and sowing the seed of the gospel or are they just sitting around hoping that miraculously a harvest will spring up when they've done nothing to plant a seed or to even water a seed yeah no i absolutely and, and the the we were as we were sent talking about with regard to the law and how it reveals how wicked we are that's why that that, that soil that that seed needs to be sowed you, it's the only thing that changes a hard heart to a, a heart of flesh. And if you're not, if somebody isn't out there doing that work, how is anybody going to hear it? It doesn't come by osmosis. Now, God will always get the gospel to whomever he wishes to be saved. God is not going to go sit up there wringing his hands going, well, you know, Chris didn't do what I wanted. Now that poor guy's not going to get saved. You know, he's going to take, if it's not me, he's going to find, he's going to send somebody else. So God is sovereign. It's our job to be obedient to him because he uses us as the means by which he saves. And Richard, it's, you know, let's take the weight off our listeners a little bit more. We're talking about the fact that it's a work of God and that we want you to, to be just simply be obedient to share the gospel. So let's think about the fact that we are inherently evil. As you were pointing out, we are inherently evil. The Word of God is very clear about this. I, I love when Paul in Romans quotes from the Psalms. And in chapter 3, he starts in verse 10, as it, as it is written, None is righteous, no, not one. No one understands. No one seeks for God. So we don't have God seekers. Okay, we, th this is the inspired word of God. Paul's not quoting out of context. No one, none of us are seeking God of our own accord. Not the true God. Now we might, 
be seeking something else, but it's not the true God. All have turned aside. Together they have become worthless. No one does good, not even one. Their throat is an open grave. They use their tongues to deceive. The venom of asps is under their lips. Their mouth is full of curses and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. In their paths are ruin and misery. And the way of peace they have not known. There is no fear of God before their eyes. So understand, this is what we are prior to Christ. So you can't chase someone away. You can't push someone away. You can't... You're not going to mess it up, okay? They're, they're already in that state. You're, you're not going to push them into it. That's where they are. So the first burden you want need to understand is off your shoulders is they're already in an unregenerate state. You can't make them unregenerate. You can't make them more unregenerate. They already as unregenerate as they're going to be. The only thing that restrains them is the hand of God, and that's his kindness. So don't fear that. You're not going to make them worse. Um, and if that's the, now, if, if, if I think that this is wrong, that somehow this, this really isn't quite what it says, it it, it doesn't mean what it says. And I think that somehow salvation is, is dependent upon me. It's dependent upon the person's acceptance. And I know this is going to raise the hackles a little bit of some folks who are not, fond of the, the idea of, of God's sovereignty in, in election and in salvation. And please understand, I get it. I know where this comes from. I've been there myself. But this is what the Word God says. So we're already, as wicked as we can be, we're already enslaved to sin. So if I think that it's, well, I, it, it, it's really not that they can't respond. It's that, that they just have to have the right presentation so that in that, quote, free will, they can make a choice you're going to then have the burden upon yourself to do it in some creative way. And maybe you're, you're, maybe you're going to keep the gospel as pure. You're not trying to adulterate it in some way, which a lot of folks do. And, and that's, that's very sad and unfortunate when they try to start tweaking the gospel to make it acceptable enough to be, to be you know, accepted. Um, but if, if, if I believe that, if I don't believe what this says about the human heart, and I believe that somehow it's, it's dependent upon their human will, then my, it, I think it's my shtick. So it's dependent upon their acceptance, and it's upon my shtick and my presentation. So we th- it, that's, that's a backwards way of looking at it. And it puts the, the responsibility upon me rather than upon God to get people to accept Jesus' offer of salvation. So if we think they're, they're saved by the decision we make, then we have to take that into account in how we're presenting the gospel. And that is where I believe, Rich, a lot of the fear comes from. Because we think that that's somehow we're going to mess things up or somebody's going to respond wrongly or you know, we're not, we're not going to be able to answer their questions to where they'll, they'll you know, walk the aisle. And I think that's part of the problem. But here's where the burden gets lifted. If we recognize that the unsafe person is enslaved to sin, and that they, they are trapped within its grip so that their will is free within its nature, but that nature is enslaved to sin, that we recognize it's not about my shtick. It's not about my presentation. It's about God and his gospel invading that human heart, changing it, and making it one that then responds to the gospel. So God himself intervenes. He takes a, a rock-hard heart, 
and turns it into a heart of flesh. He makes a person regenerate. And from that, he frees the person from the bondage of sin. And that's what, it's that gift of God, that holy supernatural work of God in the human heart that produces repentance and faith. And so he regenerates the person, they pro, you know, turn in, uh, from sin, they proclaim faith in Christ, and bingo. You've got, there, now you have someone who is converted by the power of God. It's not by the power of Rich, it's not by the power of Chris, it's not by the power of our presentation, but the power of the gospel. And that's what changes the heart. So now the burden's off you. You don't have to be afraid anymore because it's not about you. It's not about them. It's about God's word. And now I don't have to persuade someone. I don't have to kind of coax them along. I don't have to fear their questions or the, the answers that they may not like. I, I, I don't have to fear. I can rejoice because it's God's work and I'm the messenger. God has said, here, messenger, take this to the, to the people. And all I do is stand up and I read the, the message. The people may not like the proclamation of God. That's true. But it wasn't my job to make them like it. My job was to proclaim it. And the king, the glorious king of salvation, invades their heart and changes them. So, Rich, I think that's the thing. And, and, and again, we'll talk about, we can talk about a few of the fears that we have. But I think the, I the biggest burden that we need to get rid of is that idea that somehow salvation is dependent upon me. Absolutely. Why don't you go ahead and share the other couple of fears that we had listed, and then we can kind of backtrack and address each one of them and then leave our listeners with a word of encouragement on how to deal with the fears that they have. Okay. Well, let's start with one of the common ones, fear of rejection. You know, Let's let's go to the sh the street level evangelist. That's that's. I think most people think evangelism. They think of something like that. Now, I just want to say evangelism takes place more than just on the street. It can take place in your home, mom. If you're home raising the kids, you're evangelizing children. Can... Well, let me com Let me comment on that. Go ahead, go ahead. If, if if you're a stay at home mom, and you're not able to go to the malls or do street ministry or whatever, you know the the thing may be that's on your mind. You need, to, you need to focus on your children and teaching them the Bible and teaching them the gospel and teaching them how to articulate the gospel. Mm -hmm. Because what was it that part of Timothy's growth, what did Paul attribute that to? To his mother and grandmother. Yep, absolutely. Evangelism can take place in the home. It can take place in the workplace. It can take... Uh, place in family gatherings. It can take place anywhere. Take Rich just articulated one that he does online. So we're we may be talking in a specific context when we're talking about these issues, but they're common in every place. Mom, you may be afraid of presenting your gospels to the kid and having the kid hate it. That's a fear of rejection, and we we it stems from our desire to be loved and accepted by others. We 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 don't want people to hate us. We don't want people to hate what we have to say, and especially in this culture, Rich, where if you say anything that someone doesn't like, you've committed the gravest sin in the world, you've offended someone. That's that's a that legitimately we fear that we don't and, want to be made to uh, to feel rejected. And the old saying that we've heard many times is is that you've got to love others more than you love yourself does have application because there's nothing more loving than you can. There's nothing more loving you can do that share the gospel with someone that if they died in their sins in the next 10 hours, they would wind up spending eternity in hell. And think of it this way. 
and yeah, and I, I stole this from the from Facebook earlier today, but it, it it just jumped out at me, and it applies right here with with a multiplication of a hundred. The weatherman says a storm is coming, and everyone panics. The preacher says Jesus is coming, and no one cares. Yeah, and when you share the gospel, you may get a get a response that no one cares. But guess what? You've been obedient to sharing the gospel. And as long as you're praying for that tract or you're praying for that person, you are you are and have been obeying the word of God when it comes to sharing the gospel. Now, we'll never argue someone into heaven, but I guarantee you, you could drop to your knees and beg and plead God to grant salvation. And you'd come a far, you'd come far closer to having someone get a, get the gift of salvation through begging and pleading than you ever will arguing. Amen. Amen. And and I think when it comes to that issue of rejection, we, we have to remember that if, as you said, Rich, the greatest love we can show is to share some, you know, to, to lead someone whose most desperate need is salvation to Christ. That's the greatest love we can show. If our fear is that I don't want them to be angry with me. I don't want them to hate me. I don't want them to be offended by what I say. What we're actually revealing, and I don't mean this in a mean way because it, it it's a very difficult pill to swallow, but we have to realize, recognize it for what it is. What I'm actually saying is I'm afraid that I will not be accepted. I will lose face. I will lose sta- uh, my standing with this person. And it may be a person you meet for five seconds. It might be a person you knew for 10 years. We fear losing standing with them. And that's an uncomfortable feeling. We all deal with it in some, uh, in some stance, in some uh, manner. But if that is the overriding fear that you have, then what your love and desire for is acceptance. Rather than my love is for Christ and for what he has done for me, and therefore, I want to lead people to the place of salvation, which is the cross. So you're right, you're right, Rich. The way we reorient our fear is to then recognize where we, we have this misplaced love. It is a love for our, our standing in society versus our love for Christ. So we take that fear and we redirect it and we go, okay, I recognize my fear is for my standing in the eyes of others. Therefore, I'm going to redirect myself and I'm going to look to Christ and that's where I'm going to gain my strength. And that, even though now I'm afraid, I know that my my salvation, or excuse me, the salvation of the person I talk to is not in my hands. It's in the hands of God. I love God. I love this person. I want them to know Christ. I'm going to now, as frightening as it may be, I'm going to share this with them. And whether it's a tract, whether it's a conversation, whether it's online, you're redirecting that energy into your love for Christ and you're being obedient to him. So that what I think would be our first one, Rich, is that fear of rejection. Another one is uh, we, we hear this a lot. You know, I don't want to drive them away from Christ. And that typically is the, uh, if I'm too forward about it, I'm, I'm too hard or I, I appear, appear to be too judgmental, too religious, they're going to reject Jesus. So that's, it's kind of a shift. It's, it's no longer about being, me being rejected. It's about, well, I don't want them to reject Jesus. Well, we got to remember, if, if, we, we're, if we think we're, feeling, we're, we're worried about them feeling angry or hurt, then, then we're not going to do to Jesus. 
we're we've got a misplaced uh, priorities again. Go ahead, Rich. I think I, I stepped on uh, you there. That's okay. I was going to interrupt you, and you may have been leading to this point. Actually, the second second scenario is basically the first scenario, but with a different twist. It still goes back to love of self because we're worried that they will reject Jesus. Well, why are we worried that they will reject Jesus? Because we're putting it back on our own shoulders. We're worried because we feel inadequate in sharing the gospel. We feel like we've got to do this, this, or this to get them to agree with us, to get them to accept Christ, which, by the way, Christ does not need any of us to accept him. We receive his gift of salvation. That is a pet peeve of mine. I know that a lot of good good, well-meaning people talk about accept Christ, but those words do matter, and the phrasing matters, so please, in the context of salvation, speak of it in terms of receiving salvation, not accepting salvation, because that really causes a lot of confusion, but getting back to what you were saying, it still comes back to our own feelings, our own, maybe not necessarily pride, but not wanting to have our own feelings hurt. We're more worried about how we're going to feel and how we're going to react than we are about how that person reacts or what that person says or does. But we need to keep in mind, most people you meet that are strangers, they're not going to like you anyway. <laughs> so you might as well share the gospel with them and give them a good reason not to like you. <laughs> Amen. You know, the funny thing, <laughs> now I'm trying to keep a straight facing and keep going forward. Um, the thing that, that, Rich, I think so many of us forget, and this is why we wanted to talk about what the nature of the gospel does when it reveals about our own hearts prior to coming to Christ, is that we, when we think it's about us, as you say, accepting Jesus um, versus God invading the human heart and making disciples through his power, we we get real nervous that well if i say the wrong thing they're going to they're they're going to hate jesus well they already do go back to romans chapter 3 none of us are seeking after god i'm sorry there that that whole seeker friendly uh, methodology is bunk because there's only one seeker and that's christ he seeks those whom he will save and it's through us whom he has redeemed through the preaching of the gospel, through the prayers of the faithful, through the obedience of his people, that the means by which he saves them, the gospel, is proclaimed. So we don't have to fear them turning from Christ. They're already on a full tilt sprint away from Christ. What we are doing is we are being the ones who are stepping in the pathway of that individual who's on the run, and we're stopping them, tripping them up, and making them see the gospel message through which God and his sovereign will will redeem them. So we're, we're kind of like the guy, it's, it's like you're watching a track meet, and there's that 500-meter dash, and you, what you're doing is you're sticking your foot out, and you're tripping them up with the gospel, because they're running away from you. And so, Scripture's clear. We hate God. And, and just to clear something up, oh, oh, oh. No, no, people seek after Christ. What they seek after is a false God, a God of their own invention, because their God, look around us. There are people tripping all over themselves to accept worldly concepts in the professing church. 
SBC just happened this this uh, last week with the, their acceptance of critical race theory as as a tool by which we can evaluate things. That's a worldly concept. That's not a biblical concept. Um, a whole nother mess, maybe appropriate for another show, but you got all these people bringing in these worldly ideas that this idea that we can somehow mesh with the word of God. That's, that, that's not God. That's a creation that is not God. That's a false creation. It's an idol. So the person who claims they're seeking after some sort of spirituality is speaking, is, is seeking after a God of their own design. We are seeking to interrupt that to interfere with the seeking of the false god with the true Christ, the true Savior, the true Lord of all creation. So don't worry that you might drive them away. By doing nothing, they're already on the way. You're tripping them up. You're introducing to them the true gospel. Um, we, The people who are say they're seeking... What they want is a, is a, is a salve to, to put on the sting of the law in their hearts that says, oh, what you're doing is wrong. That's why the LGBT crowd hates anything religious. That's why atheists are just vehement that Christians should never have a voice in the, wor in the world. Why? Because our very existence is burns their, their heart with, the, the, with the, the law of God because we speak the truth. So... Those people, when they say they're seeking, they're not really seeking Christ. They're seeking a false God. Now, you might have someone through the course of their life who've had those encounters that God has used to till the soil, but that's still God doing the work, not them. So keep that in mind. So that idea that we will drive them from Christ, you can't. They're already away from Christ. You're tripping them up and bringing them to Christ. You're, you're, you're throwing a net over them and you're dragging them, kicking and screaming. Okay, so that's that second fear. Is that uh, any any other thoughts on that, Rich? No, brother. Let's move on along. What was the next one on our uh, list? The the next one I had was just fear of not having answers. I, I think this is a big one for a lot of people because it. it, it I will. I was just going to say that is a very big one because I've I've encountered that one as probably as much as maybe if not more than the the not knowing what to say and you know, everything else that we've already discovered or discussed that, you know, that's a very, very common one. Well, I'm afraid somebody's going to ask me something I don't know the answer to. You know, and the thing that that goes back to is it's a fear of looking incompetent, a fear of being mocked, a fear of not being accepted, a fear of driving people away from Christ. Because it's all back to, it's about me and convincing them to accept Jesus as if the the issue is having the right answers. The issue isn't having all the right answers. We can never have all the right answers. R.C. Sproul, when he was still here, didn't have all the right answers. John MacArthur doesn't have all the right answers. Stephen Lawson doesn't have all the right answers. But there, is a, there actually is a correct answer that you can give that's honest, that if someone asks you a question that you have no idea where to find it in the Bible, you have no idea what to say, it's very simple. Just be honest. I don't know, but I will find out for you. Amen. It's that simple. And that's the thing is, is it's that fear is rooted in somehow this whole thing rests on me having all the right answers. God didn't call you to have all the right answers. God called you to be a witness. He didn't call you to be 
a PhD in quantum physics and how that relates to God creating everything. He didn't call you to be uh, a, a, a scholar theologian that knows every religion and every, uh, you know, inter, uh, in and out and, and twist and turn of the history of religion. He called I'm you to be a witness. I'm going to add to that. He, he's not necessarily called you to be one of these apologetics that go around and speak at conferences and, you know, have a half a dozen different books on different types and approaches to apologetics and, you know, questions and answers and debates. I've, I've known several people that have gotten so wrapped up and lost in trying to learn and study apologetics that they completely forgot what the gospel is truly about. It is, it, those type of things do have their place at times, but for people like you and I, Chris, and just, you know, everyone that's listening to this is more than likely just, you know, regular old person, you know, that <laughs> we don't have all these letters and numbers out behind our name. You know, if you, if you find, if you have an interest in that, great. But I've, I've come across too many people that seem to think that they need to devote two or three years of a study of studying apologetics before they ever share the gospel. And that's not the case. Yeah. It's very, very simple. Like I said, all you have to do is if someone asks you a question, I don't know, but I will get back to you. Or if it's a situation where it's a one-on-one -on -one conversation and both of you have the time, simply say, I don't know, but let's discover the answer together. Amen. And thus you've opened the, you've opened the door to an entire afternoon of discussing things of the Bible with someone that is obviously interested if they actually are truly wanting an answer. Most of the time, if you're involved with street ministry or street evangelism, or even you stop and talk to a stranger on the street and they throw something at, like that at you, they're trying to get out of the conversation. They're trying to one-up one up you and say, see there, you don't know it, and then want to walk off. And if that happens, so be it. Pray for the person and then move on to the next one. Yep. That's the thing. We're not called to be spiritual know-it-alls. We don't need to know everything. Now, I will encourage this. Um, the more you do this the and you encounter the I don't knows, follow up on what Rich said. Actually, go learn. Because the more we learn, number one, the more we grow in Christ— and the, the stronger and more dependent will become upon him. But also, when someone says, well, what's the question to this answer? And you've actually gone and checked and you've come back and said, well, here's what you asked. Here's what, I, uh, what I've learned. It says something that you're taking this seriously. Okay, now again, it's not that you've gone and done this that's going to change their heart. But it reinforces the gospel message that we preach. Rich and I have talked about this many times on the show. Our lives should be a reflection of how we live. So we should be pursuing righteousness and holiness and so forth. Because, number one, we love Christ and we want to be like him. But number two, we are walking the talk. So a person who hears your message and then sees you take the time to learn and bring an answer to them, understands that you take this seriously. It's not a salesman pitch. Where, well, I'm not. I'm going to go learn this so I can get them to get saved. It's just taking seriously what you said you would do, growing in the knowledge and helping them understand. So I would encourage you to do that because we are in a unique culture in a lot of ways where a lot of questions that 
it, that just a generation ago weren't being asked are being asked now. And there are a lot of people, we assume, know what the Bible says. They don't have a clue what the Bible says. And we need to learn. We need to grow. But that doesn't mean you have to know everything. And you're, it's okay to not know all the answers. And you don't be afraid that your lack of understanding in an area will be sufficient, will be, is what causes them to uh, fail to come to Christ. Because you ain't saving them. Christ is. One, one other aspect on this particular point, there are times when someone will interrupt a gospel presentation and ask you a question, not because they want to see if you have an answer, they just simply want you to stop presenting the gospel. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that does come with experience of knowing when to stop and address the question or whether just to ignore the question and just keep on with what you were saying. Yeah. And that, that does come with experience. But generally, if you're in a one-on-one conversation, that's not necessarily the motive. But if you're having a one-on-one conversation with someone and someone else comes up and they start interrupting you with those types of things, all they're trying to do is stop you from sharing the gospel to that person that you're originally talking to. And, and as you said, Rich, that's that, that's something that's just going to come with experience. You, you may be tempted to answer every question. Trust me, you're not going to be able to answer them all. And, uh, Rich, there was something Tony, when we were doing Cross Encounters Radio, would ask people all the time. And that was, if I were to answer every single question you had to your satisfaction and, and, and left no question unturned, would you then bow the knee to Jesus Christ as, Lord, as your Lord and Savior? And inevitably, the answer was no. So it's not about the question. It's about it, it, it's obfuscation. Just throwing enough stuff up in the air, hoping to blind everybody, and then say, "I won the debate." <laughs> and it's also, and it's also very tempting, unless we stay focused on on what we're on what we're discussing and what we're saying. It's very easy to get caught up in a in a red herring, so to speak, on a sidetrack, on letting them diverting you from sharing the gospel and get off on one of these unnecessary tangents discussing shellfish or mm-hmm. cloth or whatever they may come up with because they don't understand the Bible to begin with and then they throw out these questions. Well, don't you eat shellfish? I mean, that's that's an old one, but mm-hmm. it still, still happens. Being used. <laughs> yeah, but you just need to remember and stay focused on the message, on sharing the gospel. Um, was there anything else, or do you want to flip-flop now and, and give our listeners a bit of encouragement when it comes to fear? I, I think that 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 probably encapsulates most of the objections that we'll deal with. There's going to be a lot more, and of course, if you ever have questions, you can always email us at. Uh, uh, oh my goodness, I'm forgetting which email I want, I want to send. Uh, <laughs> yes, unfortunately, I have that many emails these days. Uh, Voice of Reason Radio at Gmail dot com. You can always email us if you have additional questions. But those, to me, I think are the ones that I've experienced and I've seen others experience. I think. Between the two of us, Rich, I think that encapsulates most of them. So go ahead. Let, let's take this uh, into, the as we close it up, the last portion. How can we encourage them with these fears in mind? Well, we need to keep in mind when it comes to discussing fear when it applies to evangelism, we, we need to first stop and ask ourselves, what are we afraid of? And we need to determine, is it a sinful fear or is it a biblical fear? 
because when we're sharing the gospel, that is spiritual warfare. It is a spiritual endeavor. You will have resistance pushed back against you. Those birds will be attacking you. That's the flip side of the coin from the first part of the show. Is, is as a sower, you're casting the seeds of the gospel out. Those birds are lurking around. In other words, the power of Satan and his demons are lurking around trying to trip you up, trying to prevent you from sharing the gospel. So if your fear is biblical, that's actually a good thing. That means the devil or Satan is trying to hinder your obedience to Christ. And, you know, that's just something we have to examine and look at ourselves. Am I afraid because I'm so prideful and I don't want to look like a fool? Or am I being fearful because I'm under spiritual attack? And in either case, the, 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 the answer is the same. Go to prayer. Lean on Christ. Fear, and I don't want to sound cliche, but fear is your friend. You need to embrace that fear. You need to take that fear and lay it at the foot of the cross. You need to bow down and pray and beg Christ to help you through that fear, to use that fear for his glory, to get out there and share the gospel because you're not sharing it at that moment, which means that person that you were contemplating walking up to and sharing the gospel with, you may be that person's only chance of ever hearing the gospel. And we need to remember that. And also, let, let this thought mingle in with, 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 with your, as you're contemplating your fear. Sharing the gospel is not only a command from Christ. It is not only a responsibility given to believers in Christ. It is also a huge, huge, tremendous blessing from Christ. Because Christ did not choose, he does not send angels to share the gospel. If you look to the book of Acts, when Peter was on the rooftop and the men from Joppa came to tell him that they were sent to bring him back to share the gospel after an angel had instructed them and after an angel had instructed Peter to go with them, that angel could have just as well shared the gospel with those people, but no, God sent that angel to have them bring Peter in to share the gospel. God does not use angels or his heavenly host to share the gospel. He uses fallen, broken, pitiful creatures like you and I to bring his word of salvation and hope to other lost, pitiful creatures. Amen. Amen. And l let me encourage you in this as well. Maybe you're listening to this and going, man, I've been so afraid for so long and I've been so disobedient to God and I haven't done this. Don't let that defeat you. Because if you're like me and you see where you failed, the first thing you want to do is crawl under a rock. You know, and, and that, that's me. When I start realizing I failed at something, I haven't been doing what I'm supposed to, I want to crawl under a rock and hide from the world for the rest of my life. That's the type of person I can be. Don't do that. Be grateful that God in his mercy is showing you something because whenever we fail to be obedient to God in anything, if we sin in some area and God reveals that to us, that's his grace. He's using this moment in time to reveal something to you that he wants you to turn away from, that's something where you've not been obedient and he's turning you to 
obedience, to walking in righteousness and doing the things that he's commanded us. That's the first thing. Don't let this defeat you and go, well, I failed for so long, I can't possibly do this now. Of course you can. You know, I used to be very active in street ministry. And then as my kids grew older I, I uh, and needed more of my time, I wasn't involved. And now I'm not a very active evangelist. It's, it's something that happens very rarely. And I've still got a stack of gospel tracts from back in the day that I need to go out and give. And so it's a reminder, even doing this show is a reminder to me that I need to get out there. So let me encourage you with that. Everybody's going to fail in evangelism in some way because they didn't do something they could have done. We all are going to do it. Even the most powerfully speak, uh, uh, speaking evangelist on the planet today isn't evangelizing enough because we, we're not God. We're not doing everything perfectly. So start today. Go share the gospel with somebody and be encouraged. I like what Ray Comfort says. Go find yourself a sinner and experiment on him. You're going to make mistakes. It's okay. Just do yeah. it. <laughs> I, I always add to that and, and and add to the last part of that start by going looking in the mirror and sharing the gospel to yourself amen amen all right so the other thing i, I that i was thinking of it with regard to this is that we we just tend to be the type of people that go well i i've just messed things up and and, and this person you know got upset and this person you know, did, you know i didn't have the right answer here and we just we, we get out there and we want to do it, but we're just tripping over ourselves and we don't know if we're doing it right. And, it, and it, after a little while, we just say, I, I quit. I give up. Please don't do that. Please don't do that. You will be used by God with the knowledge and skills that he's given you. And you never know. You know, I, 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 we were talking about, you know, not knowing what to say. And, I you know, it, it, it brought me back to something. You go to Mark chapter 5 verses start at uh verse 18 and this was the man who was possessed by the legion of demons and it, it says this man it, referring to this man it says uh as jesus or his he jesus was getting into the boat the man who had been possessed with the demons begged him that he might be with him and he jesus did not permit him but said to him go home to your friends and tell them how much the lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you and verse 20, and he went away and began to proclaim in the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him, and everyone marveled. Now, Jesus, the demoniac did not have the benefit of three years of close personal education like the disciples did. Now, don't confuse this with, oh, just give your testimony. That's not what this is. The demoniac was somebody who was indwelt by demons. Obviously, this is a man who lived quite sinfully over the years and exposed himself to these things and was eventually possessed and he was saved by Christ supernaturally and he went forth and talked about that about the Jesus who saved him and drove the demons out of him so you can share the gospel message starting with how Christ saved you and you can incorporate the gospel message there's nothing wrong with a testimony by the way per se Provided it's it's not just well I was I was a drug addict I was a prostitute and you know I went to a meeting and then I, I learned about Jesus and now I I don't have these desires anymore and my life is much better that's that may be a wonderful uh, thing that God has done and there's nothing wrong with sharing that information 
but it's not the gospel. Christ invaded your heart, exposed you to the fact that you were a sinner, that you were on a road to damnation, and he redeemed you through his shed blood. And now because of his resurrection, you have the the, the gift of eternal life, of promise to be with him for eternity. That's a, that's a gospel presentation right there. And you can, oh, and, and you can start with that. I'm just going to add to what you just said right here. If, if, if you're completely drawing a blank in your mind on what to say, on how to articulate <laughs> the gospel, go to the Bible, turn to John chapter 3. No, John 3.16 is not a gospel complete gospel message that is the result of everything else but simply read 316 through 21 and i think it's verse 36 and build from there and use that as a framework to write out or to share the gospel taking those verses and explaining it to the person that's in front of you that i found in my years when i was starting out that helped me and i just wanted to pass that along maybe it'll help someone that comes across this episode and listens amen and you know what there are lots of ministries out there that their sole desire is to see christians sharing the gospel living waters livingwaters.com fantastic resource so many free part free things that they have there that you can use and gospel tracts and books and resources use them Wretched Radio, I think it's wretched.org. I'll put both in the show notes. That They're devoted to that. Tons of stuff. In fact, right now, uh, today being the, the 14th, I think it's through the 16th, they, they've got a lot of their materials are on sale, you know, for like re- heavily reduced cost. So, uh, you know, I'll put, uh, you know, go to their store section and and look up some stuff and, and, and look to... Um, avail yourself of those resources there's tons of stuff out there there's lots of information to help a person grow in their understanding of the gospel and to be more effective not in sense of getting more decisions but to be more effective and to be more clear in how you present it and to build on your knowledge and as rich said go to the scriptures study the word of god daily grow in your understanding of it don't just do a quick five minute devotion devour the word of god and the more time you spend in it the more you're going to understand who you are, who Christ is, what he's done for you, what he is doing in the lives of others, why he came, etc. And then use that information and share it. The more you love Christ, the more you can't help but want to talk about him to others. So I hope that's uh, been encouraging to them. Rich, any, any thoughts before we uh, we close up for tonight? I, w- I want to throw a question at you that we have not discussed mm-hmm. whatsoever would you trust the person that said that they never have fear when it comes to sharing the gospel? I, th- I would think that if you say that, I would want to know what your gospel presentation is. Because the gospel itself is a fearful thing. What you're saying is that you, you as a sinner stand condemned before God. And apart from the salvation that is found in Christ alone, you're going to hell. If, if you're not presenting that... And, and, and your knees are shaking. <laughs> I think there's a problem. And Ray Comfort, the man is a gospel machine, talks about every time he goes out, he's fearful. So I would have a, I would want to know, why, why do you say you're not fearful? Because I want to know what you're telling people. Because if you're not afraid that some of the things that we just talked about, either you're superhuman 
or your gospel presentation may be in question. That's just how I look at it. I'm not. I'm not saying that there aren't. I, I, I'm certain there are people that when they share the gospel, maybe not as fearful as I might be, but I still fear that I still feel. Excuse me, that there is a fear in their stomach that this might not go well and somebody might get mad. <laughs> well, and that's what I wanted to convey to our listeners that. Fear is normal. Fear is natural. Fear is there to drive us to Christ. And if you experience fear when it comes to sharing the gospel, that's a good thing. That is a very, very good thing. Don't let anyone tell you that you should never have fear when it comes to sharing the gospel. Now, the motives of that fear may vary. There may be biblical or sinful reasons for that fear. But irregardless, it should drive you to pray and beg Christ and, and cause you to lean on Christ and not on yourself or your own understanding or your own words. And one more thing in closing that you mentioned earlier, that if, if, if you're out sharing the gospel and say you had a bad experience, somebody just went off on you and got mad and, and cursed you out and was saying vile things, guess what? That was a biblical response because everywhere Paul went and proclaimed the gospel, Either revival broke out or a riot broke out. So you're in good company. <laughs> Amen. Amen. So, folks, I appreciate your, your patience with us through this. Not not the easiest topic to talk about because it, 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 there are, le- I, I say, legitimate fears in the sense that we legitimately fear them. They may not be necessarily legitimate in the sense of what the Bible tells us to do. So it's, it's about reorienting our focus. Get it off ourselves and get it on Christ. Get it on his message and what he's done for you. And I think that will be, as Rich said, using that fear to drive you as opposed to, you know, think about fear in this way. Fear what will happen to a person you care about when they die if they're not in Christ. Use that as fear. Now, now there's a greater drive to share the gospel. So I hope that's been helpful to you. I hope we've uh, blessed you through this. We're, we're trying not to be heavy-handed. Um, Rich, you and I have both encountered, and, and I'll, I'll be honest, and I even experienced the cage stage uh, of, of, of being uh, involved in evangelism. We've encountered people who do that. The, the heavy-handed beat you upside the head. How dare you not share the gospel? Well, I'll, I'll tell you right now, folks, if you're doing that, stop it. The, the worst thing you can do um, and let, let, let me shift gears and just direct this at the, the street evangelist who, who can't understand why the, his church isn't coming out. Stop beating people up, okay? It, think about it this way. If somebody came up to you and smacked you upside the head and said, how dare you not care about sex trafficking victims? You're not out there helping them. What's your first reaction going to be? Who are you to get upset with me? This is what I'm focused on trying to, you know, preach the gospel. And that if I can change hearts, I'm, you know, those folks aren't going to go deal with that. How, why are you coming at me like this? Exactly. If you're going like that, gangbusters on people in your church, what is their reaction going to be? The wall is going to go up, the fists are going to come out, and they're going to fight. Okay? Not physically, but verbally. Um, stop that. Don't beat people up. Be encouraging. That's what we hope we accomplish here today. I, it, you might have had some toes stepped on as we talked about it, uh, going back to the, the rest of our audience. Not our intention. We weren't trying to kick you in the shins, not trying to beat you upside the head. 
we want to encourage you because this is what we are called to do. And if we are not obedient to, the, you know, to God's command to share the gospel, trust me, he's going to do, use someone else. There, you know, but it's a tragic thing when the professing church of God, the statistics tell us usually somewhere between 2 to 5%, I think it is, Rich, of the professing church shares the gospel with any regularity. That's sad. That's that we should not be that way. We have the greatest message in the world that God forgives sinners. We have the most fantastic message in the world. We should not be afraid of that. There's legitimate fears that we have because we experience them, but there are ways that we can change and reorient our thinking so that we become obedient to God. And instead of just letting two or five or whatever percent do the workload of the church, let's all of us do it. Let's all get involved and evangelize in some way. You don't have to be a Ray Comfort, but you can be an obedient Christian and go out there and share the gospel with at least one person. Do so this week. Think about that. Do so this week. Share the gospel somehow with somebody. Rich, any closing thoughts? No, brother, I think you took the words right out of my mouth. I can't agree with you more. Just get out and make it a point and put it at the forefront of your mind to share the gospel at least once a day. Once you establish a biblical habit such as that, it will take over and it will be natural to you. I think sometimes, like you said, there's different reasons why we may or may not be as active now as we once were when it comes to sharing the gospel. But irregardless, make it a point if you're listening to this tonight or tomorrow night, make it a point and, and say to yourself, okay, tomorrow I'm going to hand someone a track. Tomorrow I'm going to leave a track at the gas pump, at the gas station. Just start out those simple steps and grow from there. Amen. Amen. So thank you for your time this week, folks. Get out there, share the gospel. I am going to ask for one request. Uh, tomorrow night I'm supposed to be recording with... Uh, Andy Olson of Echo Zoe Radio, he and I are going to talk about uh, whether, you know, I shouldn't say whether, about being obedient to Christ for his purposes or seeking fulfillment for my own, fulfillment and affirmation. We're going to have a, a kind of just a, a, well, I want to say a roundtable discussion, but there's only two of us <laughs> about that. <laughs> it, it, to me, it's, a, it's kind of a prevalent issue in our culture today, especially within the pre professing church. I think even some of the issues that happen in the SBC are about affirmation and fulfillment and, and, and sense of fulfillment and self-esteem. See, that drove, I think, some of the thinking that go that is going on in that convention and, and in so many other churches versus um, obedience, seeking to be obedient and glorifying God in my service, not for my own purposes, but for his. So we're going to talk about that tomorrow night. And when he shares that, uh, we'll put, put the link out as well. But just pray for that. Um, it's a weird thing when somebody invites me to be on their show. Uh, I you know sometimes wonder why. It's <laughs> so... Uh, you know, I, I love Andy to death. I love being uh, on his program. We're looking forward. I'm looking forward to doing that with him. And so, just pray for that. Pray that we would uh, glorify God. That's that's what I was looking to do. Uh, if you've enjoyed this program, if you learn from it, we're always going to ask you please share it. Not because we're trying to drive up numbers. We're we're a small program, and, and 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 we're fine with that. But we want to be a blessing to people, as we've said so many times. So if you find that you're blessed by this, share it with others, because we hope to to impact people's lives. And, uh, you know, if you, if anything we say has resonated with you or it's irritated you, feel free to contact us voice of reason radio at gmail.com. 
And if you can't remember the email address, just go to slavetothekingcom That's our website where you can find the links to our shows. You can find the link to our uh, links to our social media outlets. And uh, you know, when I finally you know be disciplined enough, try to do some more writing. Um, but uh, you know, that's our, our slavetothekingcom You can contact us through there. And and again, if you are one of those people that does reviews feel free to review us on itunes or uh on podbean.com that's where our our uh, podcast is hosted it doesn't bump us up it doesn't make us more uh reachable to more people it just lets us know if we're having an impact and and if we're we're affecting people's lives good bad or indifferent hey look we we have to be willing to uh to take whatever information comes our way whatever your your review is so if you liked it if you didn't like it hey we welcome the review it always helps us know what's going on so thank you for being with us this week we did go a little bit long almost an hour and a half uh but you know what this is this was a good topic and we were glad to to spend the time with you so we thank you for sharing your time with us uh we that when there's so many podcasts out there that you can be listening to, uh, that you took the time to listen to this one is just a blessing for us. So thank you. We appreciate you. We'll see you next time. God bless. Good night.